Paul Sewald and Kevin Ginkle are locks to return next season, but what about the rest of the pen? Discussing which D-backs relievers should be returners in 2024. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I'm your always charismatic host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all of my latest work. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I've been doing this podcast since 2020, and now the D-backs face one of the biggest off-seasons in their franchise history. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about the off-season, which D-backs relievers should be returning to the pen in 2024. That's what we're going to get into today, because this D-backs bullpen ended up being pretty crucial for this D-backs team down the stretch. So many times the last few seasons, we've looked at the pen as the weakness, the vulnerable vulnerability. I knew as that word entered my head, I was going to struggle and say it. We know the D-backs bullpen has been the weakness holding this team back the last few seasons under the Mike Hazen era. It's probably been the biggest hole in his resume, trying to find good relievers for the back end of the bullpen. Since I took over this podcast in 2020, he has been struggling in that department from the Hector Rondones, the Junior Guerreras, the Joaquin Sorias, the Tyler Clippers, the all the guys we like to bring up every time we talk about bad bullpen. Oliver Perez came out of retirement, was going to go to the Mexican Independent League. Like There's been some really bad relievers for the D-backs bullpen over the years. There's some not-so-good relievers in the D-backs bullpen right now that we're going to discuss whether they should be returning or not next season. But the D-backs bullpen this year actually turned around and was actually a strength down the stretch and in the postseason, if you could believe that. The D-backs bullpen was pretty solid in the first half of the season. You had guys that were, of course, up and down through the year. They retooled a little bit at the trade deadline. They struggled those first 50, 60 games after uh, the All-Star break. But then that final month of the season, you look at those last three weeks, the D-backs bullpen was on fire. They carried that momentum into the postseason, and the D-backs bullpen ended up pitching to like a 3-5-8 ERA in the postseason. I think they were even better than that if you look at the numbers pre-World Series, like really dominant stuff by their bullpen um, throughout the postseason. And really, if you take out like that Game 2 star in the World Series, like this was almost a flawless postseason uh, by the D-backs bullpen. Maybe you take out game one of the World Series as well just because Paul Seawald blew that save. But this D-backs bullpen time and time again in the postseason came through, made big clutch outs. Maybe you had someone like Kevin Ginkle come in and bail a, re- uh, bail a starter out. Ryan Thompson would do the same thing, come in, high leverage moment, inherited runners on, get his starter out the game or whatever reliever was out there. Help him out of a big jam. Sal Frank was doing it too. Seawald, like 
the D-backs bullpen complete effort in the postseason. We even saw some positive things from guys that we were unsure about, right? A guy like Luis Frias, I think, really showed some stuff and flashed some potential in the D-backs bullpen during the postseason. I think a guy like Ryan Nelson, who we didn't trust at all coming out the pen, looked really good uh, in one of those World Series games where he had to come out the pen and pitch multiple innings. It was in that bullpen game of the World Series, and Ryan Nelson looked very dominant and comfortable coming out the pen in that situation. So you look at this D-backs bullpen from the past season, finished pretty much middle of the pack in so many different categories. You look at ERA, strikeouts, walks, whip, like any category you want to look at, D-backs were pretty much middle of the pack in, and that's okay. Like this D-backs bullpen, for the last few seasons, we were like, you know what? I mean, specifically the 2022 season, we were like, you know what? If this D-backs bullpen was middle of the pack, maybe the D-backs jumped from 74 to a 500 team or 84 wins. And little did you know, just getting a middle of the pack bullpen vaulted this D-backs team to the World Series. Now, obviously, the bullpen pitched a lot better than just average in the postseason, but an average bullpen at least got the D-backs above 500, got them to a wild card berth, and then we, of course, knew, we of course know what happened after that. So having a good bullpen was such a revelation for the D-backs, and we're going to be talking about which D-backs relievers from that pen based off the postseason, based off the regular season, should be returning to the D-backs in 2024. Because remember, you can only carry 13 pitchers in the regular season. With five of them being starters, that leaves eight dudes in your bullpen, unless you don't care about that number five spot in your rotation, because it seems that's kind of the way modern baseball is going. Maybe you get an extra reliever out there and go with the bullpen uh, day for that number five spot in your rotation, but I don't think the D-backs are going to do that. I think most teams are going to ride with a number five starter. So let's pretend the D-backs have five starters in their rotation, eight relievers. From the pen we had last year, who should be returning to the Arizona Diamondbacks? The first guy in uh, absolute unanimous, yes, he was a big revelation for the D-backs coming over from Seattle at the MLB trade deadline because the D-backs have been in desperate need of a closer for so many years now. When you look at the D-backs closing situation, since I took over the podcast in 2020, you can make the argument the ninth inning for the D-backs has been the worst inning of any major league team. Uh, over the last few seasons, their ninth inning, you could say, is worse than any other ninth inning. The closing situation, the save situations have been worse than maybe any other team in Major League Baseball over the last three seasons. And getting a guy like Paul Seawalden, a veteran, big boy grown up who has all the emotion in the world, all the confidence in the world, I think that rubbed off in a big way on this D-backs team. He's that kind of charismatic guy when he's out there on the mound screaming after strikeouts like that gets the dudes in your lineup the dudes in the clubhouse fired up Paul Seawald brought so much energy to this D-backs team and I think he's going to have a pretty good season for the D-backs next year in his small sample size in the regular season 3-5-7 ERA 13 saves and just 17 innings pitch, double-digit strikeouts per nine. Like That's what I love about Paul Seawald. He can get those strikeouts without being like overly reliant on velocity. Like He's a two-pitch guy, low 90s fastball with the sweeper, but he 
executes his pitches at a high level, and he has great movement as well. Paul Seawald, I absolutely love him. Until he faced the Texas Rangers in the postseason, he had not given up an earned run all postseason for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was shut down in the postseason until he got to the World Series. Paul Seawald finally having a good closer, finally having a guy they could trust to come out in a safe situation. How many times with the D-backs the last couple of years were like, okay, D-backs up, you know, four to two after seven innings or after eight innings. How are they going to blow this game? I can finally go into the ninth inning, up one, up two runs, and feel like the D-backs are going to win it. You didn't feel that way with Mark Melanson or Ian Kennedy closing games. But with Paul Seawald and in case of emergency, Kevin Ginkle closing games, you best believe I have the utmost faith in the D-backs closing situation going forward. Now we'll talk about whether Kevin Ginkle should return to the D-backs in 2024. I think we all know the answer to that question. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Jace Medical. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics, and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for this service. Supply, supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered a antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. Let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. If you like the content, please follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, we're on all your streaming platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe to Lockdown Diamondbacks on YouTube. Now let's get back into the podcast. And like we said, to tease the last segment, Kevin Ginkle, should he return to the D-backs in 2024? I think we all know that answer. A resounding yes, because I think Kevin Ginkle right now is probably every D-backs fan's favorite reliever. I mean, one, he's an Arizona product, drafted by the D-backs, went to, almost threw it by my mouth, U of A trying to say that because, of course, I'm a sun devil, baby, forks up. But Kevin Ginkle, Arizona guy, great rookie season, 148 year ray, kind of struggled the next couple years, bounced back in 2022, and they came all the way back in 2023 to the tune of a 248 ERA in the regular season. Then, of course, in the postseason, Kevin Ginkle took it up another level, 11.2 innings pitch, 
15 strikeouts, no earned runs. This man was absolutely dominant in the postseason. And he's someone still upper 90s fastball with that slider-sinker combination, but mostly just likes to go fastball-slider as his main two uh, ingredients in his dish. And it is super effective for Kevin Ginkle. Missing bats at a high rate this past postseason was absolutely shut down in high leverage moments in the postseason as well. I don't know if there was a reliever I trusted more than Kevin Ginkle coming out the pen in both the regular season and the playoffs combined. I thought at one point maybe he was going to be the closer of the future for the D-backs, even at one point this season. He looked pretty decent in save situations, but he looked a lot better in non-save situations this past year. 1-7-5 ERA in 51 innings of non-save situations in the regular season. That's why he's the setup man to Paul Seawald, and that is why he's also one of the best setup men now in Major League Baseball. I am so in on Kevin Ginkle 2024. Look out for him as a potential all-star reliever next year if maybe he doesn't get a lot of saves because that's all going to Paul Seawald but if he's like a sub two ERA guy with elite strikeout numbers which I think is possible for him I think he's going to have a ton of innings pitch as well and maybe he does become the closer if anything does happen to Paul Seawald Kevin Ginkle on the radar for me as a D-backs all-star for next season how about this guy a little blast from the past. Maybe you forgot who he is. Maybe you, maybe you have him ingrained in your memory because of how much he struggled and the games he blew and lost us this year. Scott McGuff. McGuff was not that dude this past season, and I definitely hope the D-backs decide not to bring him back. The issue is he is under contract for next season, so I don't know what the D-backs want to do about that, but they need to do something because... Scott McGuff just wasn't good for the D-backs this past year. Struggled in closing situations, non-closing situations. They tried him. He had a little period in the middle of the season where he looked decent, but it was bookended by starting the season poorly, finishing the season poorly. I have distinct memories of Hassan Kim walking McGuff off. There's at least two or three games where McGuff just straight up blew the save that it just ingrained in every D-backs fan's memory. I thought McGuff coming over from Japan, I thought he was going to be good for the Arizona Dimax. This is a guy who hasn't pitched in the majors, of course, since 2015 because he's been overseas. But I thought that was actually going to maybe help the D-backs team because the league hasn't seen McGuff in a few years. And maybe he discovered something in Japan and he's going to bring it over to America Nope, that wasn't the case. McGuff was just straight up bad for the D-backs this season, and I hope they don't bring him back next year. Next up, how about Miguel Castro? Long, lanky Castro. There was a time where I was a Castro fan because at the beginning of the season, Miguel Castro did look kind of good for the Arizona Dimebacks. It wasn't all bad for Castro. He did finish the season with a 4-3-1 ERA in the regular season. That tells you at least that he wasn't terrible the whole year because if you remember, those first couple months of the season, Miguel Castro did look pretty good. The first half of the season, Castro had a 3-4-7 ERA. And in the month of April, March, 2-3-1. In the month of May, 2-1-3 ERA. So, Miguel Castro started out on fire those first, those first two months of the year, but June, 
Six ERA, July, six ERA, August, 1045 ERA. And of course, awful in the postseason. He's a dude that can get the strikeout numbers, but the problem is he's a volatile, volatile guy. He's kind of a three true outcome guy a little bit. Does give up a decent amount of hard contact. Does like to walk a decent amount of people, but can also generate the strikeouts because he does have a nice little pitching arsenal that can keep batters off balance. But I think he walked probably just a tad too many people. I would like just a tad more strikeouts. Like back in the 2020s, 2019 range, he was more of a strikeout artist. The last couple of years, his K rates have kind of been going in the wrong direction. And what we saw from him in the postseason. You just couldn't trust him once you got to the second half of the season. And once you got to the playoffs, you definitely couldn't trust Miguel Castro. And for those reasons, I'm out on Miguel Castro returning to the D-backs in 2024. And then the final guy I want to discuss in this segment is Kyle Nelson, who used to be a fan favorite of mine. Last season, the year before, I thought Kyle Nelson was one of the revelations for the D-backs bullpen. Last season with a Joe Mantiply, Kyle Nelson was one of the most consistent go-to relievers that I trusted in high-leverage moments. But this past year, Kyle Nelson just wasn't that dude. And one of his issues was he was one of the league leaders in inherited runners allowed. Like when Nelson came in the game and there was runners on, a lot of the times, those runners scored, and that is the epitome of what your reliever is not supposed to do. They're supposed to come in and help the other relievers or starters out of jams, and Cal Nelson repeatedly, being the lefty specialist, came in and did not do his job. The strikeout numbers were good for Kyle Nelson, almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Walk numbers Below, uh, he had 2.3 walks per nine. So, like, the K rate was good. The walk rate was good. But almost double digits hits per nine. Like, he just gave up way too much contact this past year. Gave up way too many hits. A lot of times, those hits he gave up came with runners and men on the bases already. So, runners in scoring position and men on the bases. So, Kyle Nelson, I just didn't think he had it this year. And considering the D-backs found some other lefties that I like in the pen a little bit more now. I think Kyle Nelson's time with the Arizona Diamondbacks could be up, and I wouldn't mind seeing if we can upgrade that lefty specialist position. Now we'll discuss some more relievers from the D-backs pen this past season on whether they should return or not for the 2024 season. Guys like Ryan Thompson, Joe Mansply, Luis Frias, should they come back? Let's talk about it next. Welcome back to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. If you like the content you see, please follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram, streaming on all podcasting platforms, and please hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. Now let's talk about some more relievers from the D-backs pen and discuss if they should return next season. Next up is Joe Mantiply, who... Had an up and down year this past season with the Arizona Dimebacks. At one point, we were like, mm, is Mantiply cooked? Should he be one of the D-backs go-to lefties out the pen? You look at his ERA to end the season. 
462 is not something that you want to see. That does not make me feel good as a Joe Mantiply, you know, stand. But Mantiply was someone that got better as the season went on. First half year array, 574. You could see why so many D-backs fans were upset with Joe Mantiply, why so many D-backs fans were frustrated, especially coming off an all-star season. We put up some historical numbers like Mantiply, but just absolutely awful in the first half of this past season. And it was like, you know what? Maybe Joe Mantiply is cooked. Maybe he isn't the guy from 2022. And a lot of people thought he was going to regress coming into this season. But the way he regressed the first half of the year just was way too much. And he was someone that the D-backs really counted on being good in their bullpen coming into 2023. But as the second half went on, Mantiply got better. And if you look at his September-October numbers, 1-3-8 year right in the last 13 innings pitch of the regular season. And then, of course, in the postseason, Joe Mantiply was actually good for the Arizona Dimebacks. When you did the bullpen game, Joe Mantiply actually came through in those situations. His ERA from this past postseason, it says 4.7, but I do think he pitched better than a 4.7 ERA this past postseason. And Joe Mantiply is someone that I would bring back next season. I don't think he's the sexiest guy. You look at his arsenal. Joe Mantiply is not going out there and throwing 99. He's not hitting the radar gun with nothing, with no heat, right? He's a sinker ball, below 90-mile-an-hour pitcher, rarely uses that fastball, wants to keep it down, pitches some contact. But I do like Joe Mantiply. I am a believer that he can be a solid player and, and bullpen piece, and I do want him back in the D-backs bullpen for next season. How about Luis Frias? This guy's a little bit controversial. He, of course, has given up a lot of hard contact throughout his career, but there's no denying when you look at some of the stuff for Frias, some of it's nasty, right? He can throw a high-velocity fastball, got a crazy break on his curveball. Like Some of the stuff that a Luis Frias can throw is nasty, can strike out dudes at a pretty good rate as well. But his issue is, gives up a lot of hard contact. His balls get sprayed all over the field. Also likes to walk a ton of dudes. Like His command had just been an issue throughout his career. But when Luis Frias is right... That dude looks like he has the talent to be something special. I think he flashed some this past postseason. I was kind of impressed with how Luis Frias looked in the postseason. 1-3-5 ERA and 6.2 innings pitch in the postseason. Frias is someone that I do want to give a look to next year. Um, as a young guy with the arsenal he has, upper 90 stuff with some secondary stuff that could play off of it. I'm kind of in on Frias being a diamond in the rough in 2024. And then speaking of diamond in the rough, how about Ryan Thompson? Revelation for the D-backs this season, picking him up off the waivers. Ryan Thompson is a lock to come back to the D-backs next season. He had that really weird side angle kind of throw um, for the D-backs. Very distinct kind of technique when he's out there on the mound but you can't deny that he's not effective with the way he pitches because I don't think he gave up a run this past regular season for the D-backs I'm going to double check it right now gave up that's why I had to double check it one earned run in 13 innings for the D-backs in the regular season and then it was a while before he gave up an earned run for the D-backs in the postseason and 
he was always the first guy where it was like if the D-back starters left the game and the offense had to lead and you got the ball to Ryan Thompson, it felt like the D-backs were going to win that game. Sinker ball, slider pitcher mostly, and he was just super effective for the D-backs in the regular season and the postseason. I think he earned himself a lot of respect. And I think D-backs fans are all in on Ryan Thompson. There's no way he doesn't return to the D-backs in 2024. That's already a lock. Same with Sal Frank, a guy in the D-backs organization, was crushing it in the minor leagues, super high strikeout numbers in the minor leagues, comes up to the D-backs, throws zeros and 10 innings in the regular season, gets to the postseason, looks a little bit more shaky and unconfident, but he was a rookie who barely had any playing time under his belt in the regular season and then is immediately thrusted into postseason games. And I still think he fared pretty well. There was a couple times he got somebody out of a jam in the postseason. For the most part, he did have a 3-1-8 ERA and 5.2 innings pitch in the postseason. Only two earned runs. Like, I like Sal Frank, another dude, kind of a weird delivery a little bit, big goggles, distinct look. Hard sinker ball with the curveball. Like a lot of these D backs relievers, like Mike Hazen, want to build a bullpen full of dudes that could throw hard. And the dudes that throw hard haven't really worked out. The McGuffs and the Castros, like those guys did, those guys really didn't work out for the D backs this past season. It was the Ryan Thompsons and the South Franks who are more sinker ball pitchers that really worked out for the D backs and the bullpen this past year. So maybe we should actually lean more into the guys that can just generate outs than the guys that can generate outs via the strikeout. And then finally, got one more spot in the bullpen that I want to give it to, to one of these three guys. Slay Kakoni, Bryce Jarvis, or Ryan Nelson. I want one of those three guys to get the seventh spot in the bullpen. One could be a long reliever, and another could potentially be the number five starter for next year. But I did like Ryan Nelson's little appearance out the pen in the World Series to save the day. Bryce Jarvis and Slay Kakoni, I thought, were pretty good as rookies this past year. I want to see one of them as a potential long reliever when stuff goes sideways in the regular season next year. And maybe. One of them as a potential number five starter for the D-backs next year. I think Tommy Henry is a favorite for that. But one of those guys could be first one up if a guy like Tommy Henry is hurt or just not performing well. So with that said, that's seven relievers that I said yes to. Seawald, Ginkle, Joe Mantiply, Luis Frias, Ryan Thompson, Sal Frank, and then one of Slade, Bryce, or Ryan Nelson. Now, that doesn't mean just because there's only one spot left that the D-backs should only go out there and sign one reliever. They should still try to sign two or three really good high-leverage relievers because you can still move your youngsters up and down between the minors and major leagues based on injuries, performance, etc. So just because I pick seven dudes who I want to return to the D-backs pen next year, that doesn't mean Mike Hazen shouldn't add multiple talented arms to this pen. And let's go on another deep postseason run built by a strong bullpen. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.